Today's Bible reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, reading from chapter 28 through to 34. The Greatest Commandment. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is <coughs> sorry, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbour as yourself is more important than all burnt offering and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God and from then on no one dared ask him any more questions. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, to God. Two, two Sundays ago, um, I was, like I usually do, following the service, getting around, talking to people, doing other bits and pieces that I have to attend to. And um, anyway, it, it came about, I was happened to be hanging around here last, and so I was going to be the last to leave that day. So uh, I went to look for my bag and keys to go my way and so went into the vestry there and tried the vestry door and behold it was locked. <laughs> so I was feeling pretty silly uh, all here on my own, no way of getting the keys to my car and so uh, I did have my phone so I was able to phone Ray uh, who happened to be just down at the stable so very kindly he came and rescued me uh, trapped in the church trapped here but he rescued me so I was very pleased for Ray my rescuer Um, but then last week we were you know moving all the pews and so on out of the church ready for the painting after the service and I I, so I I put my bag down in there and so we got all the stuff out very successfully and and then talking to people for a while and people started to leave and did a little bit of setup for cafe church and Behold, I was the last one here again. And so, uh, again, it's time to leave, so I went to get my bag and keys and head off, and and, uh, the vestry was open. The church was locked. (laughs) My bag was in the church with my keys and my phone. So I was sort of calculating pretty quickly, thinking, I think I'm here until Cafe Church. (laughs) Couldn't find anyone. Uh, However, then I did remember after all, ah, there's the landline in the vestry, and the vestry's open, so I could call someone on there. I don't know any phone numbers. I don't, I don't, I don't remember any phone numbers. So, anyway, I didn't see the directory under the phone cat. I went searching through the vestry for quite a long time. Thought I can't find a directory anywhere. 
anyway, after about the third look, I did find one from 2014. <laughs> and that had Andrew and Sheila's landline in it. So I was able to phone them and harass them and Andrew very kindly came, trapped in the church again, and uh, Andrew came and rescued me. Andrew, my rescuer. Um, yeah, sometimes I can get to the conclusion that I'm not all that smart. <laughs> but uh, trapped in the church. And uh, today's sermon is all about traps. Uh, continuing in our series in Mark's Gospel, titled today, Journey to the Cross, the Trap. And we're looking at Mark 12, 28 to 34. And uh, what we're going to see there is how we try to trap Jesus, how Jesus traps us in our own traps, and how Jesus steps into the ultimate trap of his own free will. So there are many who try to trap Jesus in Mark chapter 12. There's the Pharisees, says plain as day in verse 13, they came to try and trap Jesus in his words. But uh, also the um, uh, scribes try and trap him with some curly ones. And also the Sadducees, that's a bit of a different group to the scribes and Pharisees. And um, the Sadducees debate with Jesus in the, in the passage just before where we started today in verses 18 to 27. But it's important to grasp that for the whole picture of what we want to look at today. So um, the Sadducees, they were a re- very religious group. They acknowledged God, they worshipped him, but they rejected some of the central truths and doctrines. For instance, it says they didn't believe in the resurrection. And uh, they are a little like present-day liberals. And by liberals, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about those who are theologically liberal, as we refer to them sometimes. That means that uh, they think that uh, can think that doctrine and truth and moral laws are, are actually not all that important, uh, particularly the personal moral laws. Uh, for instance, against lying or adultery or not coveting. And often the slogan would go with this view, uh, they're not so important, just love, just be loving. That's the most important thing. And in fact, it can get to the point of people thinking that's all that matters, just be loving. That's as however we might define loving, what's loving in the view of society. And Again, as well as this rejection of doctrine and God's laws as they apply to us, there can be a shift in focus to social justice. You see, it's out there, social justice, social issues. They don't impinge on us or trouble us personally. And they can have contempt for those who do uh, hold personally to truth and moral law. And, of course, Jesus majors on love. He criticises the way law is used by some people. And he talks about forgiveness for all. So the Sadducees quite liked that. So they thought they were going 
to uh, yeah, Jesus was a increasingly significant Jewish leader, so they wanted him on their side. So they were going to try and trap him in his words into supporting their views. And so they ask him a question to get him to agree that certain laws are silly and don't matter. And it's um, interesting, those of you who've watched the Chosen series that depicts the events of the Gospels in the New Testament and Jesus and the disciples, and the guy who plays Jesus, Jonathan Rumi, he was recently interviewed on a talk show in America about the show and about the Christian message. And what this talk show did, they showed just a clip of the moment in the temple where Jesus really gives a serve to the legalistic Pharisees, you know, about their abusive use of law. And you see, that's all they were wanting to focus on. And they wanted Jonathan Rumi to talk about that. What they were wanting to focus on was just Jesus' rejection of abusive use of law and forget all the rest. That is the fact that he upheld the law through and through. So this this US talk show was trying to do the same as the Sadducees were doing here. It's very common today, that view that just love, forget about truth and morality. But however much society rejects laws and rules of life, they are essential and important. They cannot be dispensed with. We can't escape them. And so people who claim that we can, that we can do without that, are either ignorant or dishonest or delusional. And so when someone wrongs you, personally wrongs you, do you ever say or feel, oh, it doesn't matter that they don't do the right thing? Do you ever reach that conclusion? It doesn't matter that they've offended me, wronged me? No, uh, no one on the planet does. In fact, we insist on the acknowledgement that the wrong thing was wrong and that it be put right. It's essential rules of life. And if God exists, then his laws are the most essential. Now, the vast majority of our Western culture rejects biblical marriage. But as a minister, do you know what I find? Non-Christian couples keep coming to the church and keep coming to me asking to be married. And you ask them, well, why? And, and they, they often can't put their finger on any exact, exact reason. They would just say, oh, we just, we just feel we have to. Um, why? Because it's in our DNA There's this ultimate human uh, relationship, marriage, that somehow, even if we intellectually reject it in our gut, we, we know we want it. The Prime Minister asked his girlfriend to marry him this week. Why after so long? Because it's essential for them. That's great news. May many Aussies follow their example. And so Jesus pointed this out to the Sadducees that you don't actually believe in the rejection of the truth and law that you claim to reject. In your heart of hearts, you actually agree with it. We cannot live without laws. 
Human beings can't function without laws. Even those who claim they can, they're not. And so if we try to, Jesus traps us in our own trap. Because it's impossible. But Jesus doesn't only trap the liberals. He also traps the conservatives. So this is the other main group in focus, actually more in focus in Mark 12, the Pharisees and the scribes, the scribes particularly in our, our reading for today. And they are also like the conservatives of today. Conservatives can tend to major on laws and rule keeping and morality, almost to the exclusion of everything else, as though it is laws and rule keeping and morality is the only thing that matters, all that matters. And the reality of loving relationships between us and God and others can be put to the side or even at points not dealt with or considered at all and so the the focus becomes the rigorous holding of right doctrine and so it's also a uh, a bit of a fact that um, amongst certain conservative groups there are lots of splits because of this absolutizing of having to have every i dotted and t crossed and that's the thing that will save you and you see there's this, this latent belief there that ultimately salvation and eternal life rest on our obedience to the law. Full stop. Even if we confess as Christians, oh yes, we believe in this thing called salvation by grace, but practically how we're thinking and living our lives is that ultimately it comes down to obedience to the law. And what usually goes Together with that is a fair bit of self-righteousness, a fair bit of ego, looking down on others, judging others. And arrogance usually is in the mix as well. And when we're into that kind of self-righteous life, we fall out with others because they don't Acknowledge my goodness and the good stuff I've done. And they haven't recognised or praised or thanked me enough. Either that or the flip side of it, if we live life on that legalistic framework, is despair. Because we know in our gut, no, we are not and cannot make it by our obedience to the law. So either way, that uh, self-righteous arrogance or, or that despair based on a system of legalism, either way, they're deadly to a relationship with God and flourishing life. Now, Jesus upholds God's law. He said... Not one jot is going to be removed from it. And I've come to fulfil it completely. And Jesus insists that this is essential, that the law be absolutely fulfilled. And the Pharisees and scribes like that. 
but they weren't too keen on the love, forgiveness, salvation for all who seek it. And so they try to trap Jesus in his words so that they can get him to agree with them. And so they ask him this question about which laws are most important. And you see, what they're actually asking Jesus is, which laws must I nail in order to get over the line with God? And you see, that's what legalistic conservatives do. They talk about the most important laws and the least important laws and rules. And the reason they, and I should say we, because I and all of us can do this, the reason we do that is to make the list more manageable, you see. We're trying to whittle down the list to a manageable few that we can concentrate on so we we can feel that, yeah, we we do them well enough and we can feel satisfied in ourselves that, yeah, we're going to make it if we try hard enough. Uh, we, We whittle down the list of God's rules. I remember hearing someone say once that they... Uh, they, they thought the Ten Commandments were multiple choice. <laughs> Just do any three. Just choose any three. You know, leave the rest out. But you see, and that's why the nitpickiness of conservative legalists, the focus on detail and and always watching our performance because it's always about our performance and if we just perform well enough then we're going to get over the line with God. Well, Jesus blows this system out of the water. Just hear again what his answer was to this question, which are the most important commandments? And uh, Jesus says there, the first is here O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is like this, you will love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In Matthew's version, he says, all the laws and commandments hang on these two. So you see, what Jesus is saying is the meaning of every law is love and must be love for God and for others. And so do you see, that applies to every commandment. So why are we to honour parents? Is it just because it's our duty and we're going to do our duty? No, you honour your parents because you love them. You genuinely love them. And you're doing it as an expression of love and your motive is love. Why do you not thieve? Well, not just because you don't get busted by the police and thrown in prison. It's because you love your neighbour. You love them as yourself. <coughs> Why do we not lie? Is it so we don't get, uh, we don't get uh, busted for that? Perjury? No, it's because we love other human beings. And we don't want to wrong them because we love them. We love them as we would love ourselves before we would love ourselves. And so do you see, love and law are to go together, Jesus is saying. Love has to be the content of every law. 
See, love is the content, law is the shape that love takes. We can't have love without law because it's got to take the true shape what God wants it to have. That's what's spelled out in the commandments. And we can't have law without love. That's just dead legalism. So our motivation and our purpose must be love for others and God, not to get credit with others or God. It's not so that they will be impressed with us, so that they will like us, so that they will reward us. That's not love for others. That's love for us. That's selfishness. And we're not to obey the law in order to escape the displeasure or punishment from God or others. That's fear. That's saving our own skin. Again, Not love for others, it's self-protection, it's more selfishness. Most of our reasons and purposes for which we obey God's laws or do the right thing to others are not love, but selfishness, if we're honest. I'm not saying that our obedience has no loving motive or purpose? I'm sure they do. It's just that most of it doesn't. And so do you see, by Jesus saying that the true law is love, he's saying to the scribes and the Pharisees and to every one of us, it is impossible for you to fulfil God's law. You know, the scribes and Pharisees thought they had the highest standard. Jesus multiplies it to infinity here. And therefore, if salvation and eternal life are dependent on our obedience, we can forget it. We're dead in the water. You see, we saw before, you can't live without law, without laws. Now we're saying, can't live with them if that's what we're planning to live by. Trapped again. So Jesus has trapped the liberals. He's trapped the conservatives. But then he steps into the ultimate trap of his own free will. The cross. This is ultimate good news and great hope for us. You see, Jesus perfectly loved God and he perfectly loved us, his neighbour, the first two great commandments. And because he did that perfectly, he lovingly obeyed God's good will perfectly, which was to come into the world to love and save us. But you see, in order to be able to do that, He had to die on the cross in our place to pay for our every failure to love God and others and our every failure to obey God's law. Jesus had to do that. That's the ultimate trap. It's actually the deepest trap in the universe, the trap he stepped into there. 
in the cross. But it's not trapped in the way we usually think of it as, as, as something terrible, uh, an utter catastrophe that we hate. Hebrews 12.2 says of Jesus, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Do you believe that? It was joy to him. It was joy for Jesus to do that for the world or us and you. It, it wasn't distasteful to him. He was busting to do it. That might blow our minds with the, oh, it can't be possible. It is. And until we know it is, we haven't got the full heart of the gospel. And, you know, we think of a trap, something we are lured into unwittingly. Jesus wasn't unwittingly lured. He, he willingly did this. It was his decision. But it's also the Father's will for him. And what did he say of the Father's will? I delight to do my Father's will. Jesus gave himself to be trapped for us. And believing this cancels and forgives our sins. It restores us to God the Father and his people and it makes us part of his kingdom now and forever. He saved us from all of our lawlessness and all of our lovelessness. He was trapped to set you and me free. And just in conclusion, very importantly, because Jesus was willingly trapped on the cross for us, you know, when we see what that is, when it breaks through to our hearts, we know that we are also trapped to love him. And to obey him, God the Father. And to love and serve our neighbours as ourselves. In the church, the community, even our enemies. We were Christ's enemies when he loved and died for us. And so, yes, we will find ourselves free and able to do the two greatest commandments. Not to save ourselves because Jesus has already done that. Not to kind of anxiously try and get a perfect performance. Jesus has already fulfilled it perfectly in our place. Not to get us any rewards with God or others. Jesus has already guaranteed us a share in his eternal riches in a new heaven and earth. No, we will find ourselves free and able to do the two greatest commandments, love God and love others, simply because he has loved us so much and we cannot help but loving him and his will. What else can we possibly do? And because we have been uh, trapped by this saving, blessing, love and grace of Christ, it's not a fearful trap to us. 
but it is the greatest mercy and joy to us. A trap we are busting to embrace, trapped in Jesus' love and grace. The cross, the most beautiful trap in the universe. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that all of our attempts to evade your law, your goodwill for us, Jesus overturns. He shows that they can't be escaped. And all of our efforts to live trusting in law but actually being loveless, all of our attempts to live that way, Jesus also overturns. We thank you that he mercifully, lovingly traps us in our own traps. And Father, that because of this, every single one of us are confronted with the fact that we have to live 100% by the grace of Jesus that has come to us in the cross. Every single one of us are far more broken and lost than we can ever begin to imagine. And in Jesus, every single one of us are far, far more loved and saved than we can ever begin to imagine. But the gospel tells it to us, enables us to know it is the truth and to embrace it with every fibre of our being. May this be so. Amen.